Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello, and I am so excited to welcome the one and only Elizabeth Alfano to our show today. She is a dynamo breakthrough after breakthrough, never been done before stuff. And today we're going to talk about her Eat V, E-A-T-V. And this is an exchange traded fund that just launched on the New York Stock Exchange. Extremely exciting. Have to say, hey, we're not selling anything. You make your own financial decisions. We're giving you some information, but this is a first. So Elizabeth, congratulations on this huge achievement. What is Eat V? Thank you for having me. And uh, you are a dynamo in your own right. So it's always a pleasure to be on your show. Um, let me talk about the philosophy behind what we're doing at VegTech Invest. Um, it is the VegTech plant-based innovation and climate ETF um, that you reference here. But more than anything, I'd like to talk about the philosophy of what is happening with EV and the VegTech plant-based innovation and climate ETF. We are the first to market. We've done all our research everywhere. I can't find anybody else. We are the very first to market with plant-based innovation ETF. And what do we mean by that? Well, we're sort of defining an entire new investment sector. So the companies that are innovating with plants to create animal-free products for sustainable consumption, we see this as part of a global secular trend for a complete shifting food supply system. You think, oh my God, well, that's so big. How could we talk about all this in basically one sentence? But when you look at our current food supply system, it's extremely inefficient. And business doesn't like that. Business rewards efficiency. So we're going to see a lot of innovation, a lot of technology about bettering the food supply system, this technology to work with plants, which requires less land, requires less water, uh, to make better foods that maybe have more protein, actually, because all protein really comes from plants, folks, has more protein and fiber, so people can get healthier products using less resources. And this is what business likes, right? Using less resources, land and water, and time, actually. Um, you know, animals, of course, because they're living beings, need lots of time. Um, so you're going to see business shift towards more efficiency. That's this secular trend of creating uh, sustainable products that don't have animal products in them using this new technology. So we're very excited to be the only uh, ETF in market with this, but more importantly, we're just excited about the technology that's out there. So how the heck did you come up with this? How did you pull this off? I read about SPACs, which are these special companies where they gather funds so that somebody can sort of do a quick going public, but uh an ETF, an exchange-traded fund on the New York Stock Exchange, it yeah. blows my mind. How did you accomplish this? Mm -hmm. uh, it's boatloads of work, I won't lie. <laughs> uh, and first, I want to just reiterate what you said before. 
no one is asking anyone to invest. Everyone has to do their own research. If you would like to do research, look at the prospectus, see the companies that are in the exchange traded fund. There are about 40 at the moment. You can go to eatv.vegtech.com. I <laughs> think about that. eatv.vegtech.com. Um, you can always also always go to vegtechinvest.com. Um, so, you know, as you can imagine, this is a highly regulated sector. So with regulation, which is what we like and you want to see because you want to make sure that everything is above board, that everyone has information. This is why I'm giving everyone information to the prospectus. Again, eat, eat, eatv.vegtechinvest.com. Uh, um, so I'm sorry, let me say that again because now I'm tripping up my own website, eatv.vegtechinvest.com. So everyone has the information that they need. And to make sure that this happens, you have compliance officers, you have a custodian, so a bank that guides you through this. Of course, you have lawyers. I would say it was about nine months of paperwork. It was about a year and a half of research. And it was basically, you know, Jane, you interview a lot of chefs on this show. And what happens is you see people who are in their own kitchen and they say, well, I want plant-based bacon. They can't find it anywhere. So they say, well, I'm going to make my own plant-based bacon at home. And then they realize they've got something great and they go to a small commercial kitchen. They start expanding. They get distribution. Before you know it, this person who's not even really a chef uh, has their own food company. It was the same here. I was looking along with my partner, Sasha Goodman, for an ETF in the market that was supporting the companies that were innovating for change in our food supply system. I couldn't find one. And I didn't want to pick the individual companies. Of course, you could go and pick things like Oatly and you could go and pick things like Beyond Meat or, um, you know, a couple consumer good products. But I wanted to support the whole supply chain, the ingredient companies that were innovating for change, the technology companies, the, the material companies. You know, we always think plant-based, it's food, but you have plant-based makeup companies, plant-based shampoo companies. I couldn't find an ETF. So by definition, an ETF is mitigating your risk because you're spreading it out over 40 companies or so. I couldn't find that option. And just like that person in their kitchen who couldn't find plant-based bacon, I said, well, if I can't find it, I'm going to make it myself. And that started the journey. Wow. We are talking with Elizabeth Alfano, the CEO of EAT Eat. V. And it's real easy to remember. Eat V. Eat vegan. V is the V word for vegan. And what I do is I just go and go to a business website and I type in whatever stock or what, whatever company I'm interested in and everything comes up. That's how I deal with it. Eat V, you just put it in there and all sorts of information comes up. So let me ask you this. How do you accumulate these stocks? In other words, I just want to know the process. I understand that it's a, a basket of approximately 37 different stocks, which blew my mind because I thought, well, gee, vegan stocks, you got Beyond Meat, you got Oatly. What else? What else is there? What what else is there? And you just explained that there are vegan ingredient suppliers and there's all sorts of other companies that are maybe behind the scenes that are also uh, potential companies to invest in that are plant-based, but they're not out there in the public eye as much as a Beyond Meat or an Oatly. 
so how do you accumulate these stocks? And then how do you decide the balance? I always look and it says the number one and number two stock that this exchange traded fund holds is XYZ. How do you make those determinations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are great questions. Just a, a teeny um Clarification up front. So I'm the CEO of VegTech Invest. VegTech Invest is the company that is advising this ETF, ETB. So, um, you know, I know what you're saying. There aren't so many consumer packaged goods companies like Oatly and Beyond Meat. Um, But even so, I remember when the pandemic came along and I was so mad because I could see the connection between the pandemic coronavirus and our food supply system and, you know, eating animals being too close to animals, you know, encroaching on their habitat, et cetera. I could see this spread of pandemics because it's not just coronavirus, right? It's Ebola, it's man cow disease, it's Asian bird flu, even AIDS, right? I could continue to go on. So I thought, well, if we're ever going to really protect ourselves for a clean and healthy food supply system, you're going to have to have more than Beyond Meat and Impossible. And those are the only things that people think about. So again, I wanted to go and find and start investing in this impact investing that was meaningful to me, these companies that are innovating with plants to change our food supply system. And when I started doing digging, that's where the research came in of about a year and a half, I find it's the consumer packaged goods at the end, the the things you buy in the grocery store, that's great. But they only get there because of this long supply chain. These companies that are innovating with technology, fermented proteins, for example, these ingredient companies, and also these home care products that are really going plant-based and no animal products. So once I started taking that vision, not just what I can see in the grocery store, but the entire supply chain. Once I took that vision, it was easy to read, not easy, but, you know, I I had um, more options to research. And that's how my partner and I, Sasha Goodman, came up with the list that is now 40. We've added a couple. Um, There's even like fragrance companies and flavor companies. You know, think about all the things that go in your food, right? It's not just the ingredients, but, and the technology, but also the flavor enhancers, et cetera, making sure those are all plant-based. So um, then from there, we have a proprietary, <laughs> a proprietary algorithm that figures out for us according to our, our mission um, what's going to be the highest weighted. So let me ask you about the reaction of the business community because I am always really upset and disappointed when the talking heads on the business cable shows discuss a Beyond Meat or an impossible, or the other day when uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken introduced the plant-based nuggets, and they they routinely put it down and make fun of it. it they are they've never cared a whit about processed food until these vegan products come on the market, and then they make a big point of saying they're processed. Well, isn't most of the meat that Subway sells processed? It's just such a selective indignation and prejudice, really. It's like they love to beat up on these plant-based companies and the plant-based products going into mainstream fast food restaurants. What has the reaction been to Eat V hitting the New York Stock Exchange? 
Well, so we hit uh, the last couple of days of December. We really started talking about with everybody January 4th. If you've been, you know, it's been a, a crazy uh, time of late. So um, the reaction, it's funny. I think I'm more interested in talking about the reaction before we launched. So we had to find all of these partners to go through the regulatory process. And I'll say, while everybody was kind enough to talk to us, Many people didn't believe, one, we'd get to market, or two, that once we got to market, there'd be any market here. Uh, and we have found that, indeed, there is. There's pent-up demand for this product because I'm not the only one who wanted to support these companies that are innovating for change and couldn't find it in the marketplace. So we're finding a lot of pent-up demand and that the market has reacted very favorably to us. So, you know, I haven't been in the market that long, and we've gotten a very robust reaction. Now, the press... The vegan press has been wonderful. Obviously, this product they've been waiting for. The, the mainstream press, you know, I think we're still too small for them. But the very interesting reaction from my perspective is those people behind the scenes that helped the ETF get to market, they were so doubtful of us. And now they're all saying like, I actually didn't think you'd pull this off. And I can't believe the reaction you've gotten from the market while you're in it. So that's been very fun. But, but oh, if I could... So sorry, Jane, if, if you want to say something, go right ahead. But no, I would no, love to ahead. respond about how the, the media is very selective, as you say. Oh, my gosh. They're saying Beyond Meat is a processed chicken nugget, as if chicken nuggets were ever, you know, a healthy thing. So let me say a couple of things that the media conveniently forgets. When you look at meat in Subway, for example, so you're talking about deli slices, those all have nitrates. Those are considered class one carcinogens by the World Health Organization. So when you're getting plant-based option, is it a carrot? I think it's pretty obvious we can say that a Beyond Meat nugget is not a carrot. We get that. Nobody thinks it's a tomato, but at least you're not getting, you know, at least you've got some fiber a little bit, but at least you're not getting cholesterol. You're not getting trimethylene anoxide. You're not getting antibiotics. You're not getting hormones. So, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes in that meat. Like if it's deli slices, it's nitrates. If it's, you know, um, regular meat, then you're getting cholesterol and trimethylene anoxide, things that aren't good for you. So, you know, um, definitely it's not beyond meat nuggets aren't a carrot, but they're definitely a step up on the spectrum of health. They're definitely a step in the right direction. Absolutely. And I am just so excited by what you're doing. We've got a caller, Lindsay, your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano. Yes. Hello, Elizabeth. I just want to tell you congratulations and thank you for doing this. And as a vegan, it's very encouraging to me to be able to put my money into something that is going to do good things in the world. You know, we're all in mutual funds and we can't really control, you know, the companies that our money is invested in. And the fact, the other thing that's so amazing about this is the fact that you got it, you made it happen. And this is going to be so encouraging to other vegans and vegan businesses. And it's just a big shot in the arm, I think. And I just wanted to thank you so much. And congratulate you again. Thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that you even care about this subject. For so many people, ESG investing, so caring about the environment, which obviously our food supply system is the largest impact on the negative impact, by the way, where we are now, on the environment that we have. And you're not going to impact climate change until you change the food supply system. This is why 
the word climate is at the end of our ETF, plant-based innovation, uh, VegTech plant-based innovation and climate ETF. So it, I'm so happy that you care about the environment. I'm so happy that you care about animals. And I'm so happy that you see the value in this sort of thematic investing. So if you're globally just saying, oh, I'm in the market and I can't really control it. When you go for a theme, like ours is obviously plant-based innovation, you can control where your money's going. And this is so empowering to feel that impact for you and legacy. So your children, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, however that works out for your family in years to come, you can really take those funds and do good things. Wow. This is so exciting. We are speaking with Elizabeth Alfano, who is the Dynamo, along with an incredible team, uh, advising Eat V, which is on the New York Stock Exchange. There's a lot of other little exchanges out there. And of course, there's NASDAQ. How the heck did you end up on the New York Stock Exchange, the premier exchange in the world? I love them, by the way. Let me just do shout out to the New York Stock Exchange, which is just a beautiful group of people. Um, yes, we we have been at this for over 18 months. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things, I'll, I'll say this to all entrepreneurs, vegan or not, and then hopefully for those plant-based folks who, who just like me, they weren't finding the product that they wanted, be it financial or, or a drink or food or whatever it is. Just don't bite up. Just don't overthink it. Just take every little step. And before you know it, you've done that marathon. It is a series of steps. And we just didn't try to be overwhelmed. We just kept following the rules in this way, in a very regulated, like this is sector. There's so many rules. There's so many steps. It's pretty well laid out. You just have to do every step. And we had so many setbacks where we often said like, oh my gosh, is this really the mountain we want to climb? But we just kept putting one foot in front of the other. So uh, one thing I want to try to understand is the difference between Eat V and VegTech Invest. They're not one and the same. You're the CEO of VegTech Invest. What's the relationship between VegTech Invest and Eat V? And then is there anybody who controls Eat V or is that sort of a public company Explain it. Break that down a little bit. Yes, I will. So I am the CEO of VegTech Invest. VegTech Invest is the registered investment advisor. Our client is EatV, the ETF. We we manage this this um, ETF. So we are. Sasha Goodman is the fund manager of our one client at uh, VegTech Invest. That's our main focus. Our company's main focus is advising this ETF. So we have a fund manager, Dr. Sasha Goodman, and he is the genius behind the scenes, working all the numbers on the weightings and um, all the company profiles, et cetera. Wow. So it's almost like this thing is spiraling or in the the satellite circling the earth. It's not so much you, uh, it almost like exists in and of itself, these ETFs. It's it's a accumulation of funds and it sits there and you don't own it, but you advise it. Correct. Exactly correct. When you think of the real owners, it would be those who have invested in it, right? It is theirs. Ultimately, it's all their money pulled together. They are owners, you know, they're shareholders in the ETF. But we advise, we are managing that ETF. Again, Dr. Sasha Goodman working his magic behind the scenes with all of the research, all of the numbers, all of the analytics, and all of the um, analysis. 
Wow. I am learning so much. Uh, I feel like I'm getting a master course in um, stocks and the stock market and our financial system. We're going to take a short break here on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. And we'll be... Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel you are listening to jane unchained to reach the show today call in to 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 you may also send an email in to jane unchained news at gmail.com now back to the show all right, we're here with Elizabeth Alfano. We've got a caller, Leanne. Your question or thought for Elizabeth? Yes, thank you. I am brand new at at uh, this possibility. And how would you suggest someone who isn't very facile in the financial world? How do I get started? Oh God, this is such a great question. Um, here, I would say. Um, Reading and research is your friend. So, you know, today we're talking about the theme of plant-based innovation, and that's what we're investing in, these companies that are um, innovating with plants to uh, create animal-free products that are creating uh, sustainable uh, consumer products, which is what we want. But you might have other themes. A lot of people invest in um, robotics and automation or, you know, things that they think are going to change the world. So first of all, you, you sort of take a deep dive of yourself. What's meaningful to you? What would you like to, what are companies that you don't mind being associated with? And then you think if there's a theme that you, you like and want to go in that direction, and then you start researching. Start researching and reading so that you can educate yourself. There's so much information out there. Um, I, I would stay away from the random Google search of people's ideas. I, you know, this person telling you to do this, or this person telling you to do that, I would stay away from that. I would start with just researching 
the, the logistics of how investing in the stock market works. So then you're comfortable with the process of how it works. If there are any commission fees, um, do you take your money in and leave it there? Do you t- go in and out? These, just I want you to understand the nuts and bolts first of what investing looks like. And then when you get comfortable with what investing looks like, you can start to overlay your particular interests in that. And then you can do more research on that. Um, and you can always reach out to to me and Dr. Sasha Goodman at VegTech Invest anytime. So vegtechinvest.com is our website. You can find me at Elizabeth at vegtechinvest.com. And you know, we're always happy to answer any questions or whatever you have. All right. So this is so exciting. Uh, first of all, I, I think a key question is: I know personally. Uh, when Beyond Meat went public, a lot of people who used to literally laugh in my face about the fact that I am plant-based, vegan, don't eat animals, don't wear animal products, all of a sudden they started kind of knocking on my door and like, hey, that Beyond Meat, huh? <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Let's an email. Oh, you're so, you were so prescient with your uh, advocacy. Just the fact that it went public all of a sudden. We started getting taken seriously. How is this going to affect the vegan movement that we are on the New York Stock Exchange? All of a sudden, I'm a part of this now. We, you guys are on the New York Stock Exchange. How is this going to affect the vegan movement? I love this question, and it is a we, because it's the shareholders that make up the fund, and it is a we. The reason we are doing this um, is because we want to give people, you know, let me take a step back. A lot of people are hearing in the news like venture capital, who's invested in impossible foods, for example. Well, only really wealthy people are invested in impossible foods. It's not public. It's not on the market. You have to have a lot of money to get into venture capital. So many people want to invest with their values and they can't start at 50,000. They'd like to start with two or three or four or five And that's what the public markets do. So we wanted to provide as well as, you know, providing capital to the companies that are innovating for change, as well as to get animal free products out there, as well as to support a shifting global food supply system. We wanted to give people the opportunity to invest alongside their values, which up until now, they haven't been able to do that with plant-based innovation. So um, I think I've lost the thread of my own talking. Well, what I wanted to know is, how is this going to affect the vegan movement? Yes, right. Well, so that already is very empowering, right? When you, when, it's very empowering when people can align their dollars with their values. So this is giving people a tool, if they're so inclined, if this is their theme that they'd like to invest in, to do that. When I look back at the Beyond Meat IPO, I can't think of one stronger media blitz for the movement than Beyond Meat going IPO. As you say, it brought people from all over saying, oh, I guess it's a thing. So that's what we're trying to do here is, you know, this month of February that we're about to be in, I must have seven or eight, if not nine or 10 interviews lined up. So, you know, part of what we do, which is for your last caller, Leanne, is we educate I, I don't even care if people invest in the fund or not. Do it, don't, that's up to you. Everyone should really decide these things for themselves. And if you want to look at the prospectus and read it, I highly suggest that you do, eatv.vegtechinvest.com. Um, but it doesn't even matter if you don't invest in the fund. I, I just want people to start understanding because you can understand beyond me. I see it in the store. It's in a package. I get it. But people don't understand the long tail of our current food supply system. 
and how we are using land and water and factory farmed animals and antibiotics and deforestation. You start looking into this stuff, folks, and you'll understand that you will never fix climate change until you fix the current food supply system. And that means getting animals out of the supply system. I'll say for animals, I'll say for our own health, but I'll say from a business standpoint, we don't have resources to waste like water and land. So from a business standpoint, you have to make this shift. So I just want people to educate themselves. So I think, you know, yes, it's great if people can invest alongside their values. That's why we made this product. But more than anything, I'm hoping that this prompts people to educate themselves by either the interviews that we're doing or just other Google searches to learn about the impact of our current food supply system and why we have to change it. I'll just say one more thing. I know I'm going on for a long time, but Sometimes people say to me, like, it's a pipe dream. This isn't going to change, Elizabeth. What you and I know, Jane, is that this change is already happening. The wheels are already in motion. You look at JBS, you look at Tyson, you look at Maple Leaf, you look at Smithfield. These are all major meat companies that realize the bottom line. They know they're no dummies. They know they don't have land. They don't have water to feed up to 10 billion people by 2050, which is what the UN says we will be, uh, 10 billion people by 2050 but you're not getting more land and you're not getting more water. So the cost of resources are going to go up and you're just not even going to have the physicality to do it. It's a mathematical equation that doesn't make sense. So the wheels for change are already in motion. And when you look at groups like FAIR, are you familiar with FAIR? No. Must give a huge shout out to Jeremy Collar at Farm Animal Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Innovation. Uh, no, um, risk and what is wrong with me? Whatever, but, but we'll figure it out. But yeah, yeah. Fair, F-A-I-R-R, okay. uh, Jeremy Collar. So this is a database of the risk involved when you invest in meat companies because they are open to class action lawsuits for health reasons. They are open to antibiotic resistance and deforestation claims. These are risky businesses to invest in. And so the, the FAIR um, advised by Jeremy Collar and that foundation has $47 trillion of members in their network who are receiving the data about how risky it is to invest in these companies. $47 trillion is a lot of money. It's a lot of pressure on places like Kentucky Fried Chicken and Yum! Brands to start being more efficient with their resources to not leave a negative footprint on the planet. So there are major wheels already in place forcing these companies to change. So I will say, this is why I say secular trend of sustainable consumption by creating animal-free products with plant-based innovation. I see it, my opinion, it, it, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when, and it will be in our lifetimes, Jane. And as Nelson Mandela said, it always seems impossible until it's done. There are so many things in history where people said it'll never happen. Women will never get the right to vote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the New York Times goes back and apologizes for old articles that are clearly prejudiced. And they apologize for how they treated the suffragettes yes. and their dismissiveness. So don't look at the naysayers. We are a movement that has to happen if our planet is to survive. And it doesn't matter how much money you make 
if the earth has become uninhabitable, that's bad for business. A hundred percent. Now, let me ask you this question. Is this going to encourage more companies to go public? Because you look at the Beyond Meat, you look at Oatly, and those are exciting. But every time I talk to a founder or a CEO, and I know you talk to a whole lot of them, I do ask the question. I asked Seth Tibbet of Tofurky, and I asked Miyoko of Miyoko's Kitchen, the incredible vegan cheeses and vegan butters. I said, are you thinking of going public? And they never really answer that question. They always hedge it. But do you think this is going to give companies that are on the rise, that are plant-based, an impetus to go public because now they feel like there is a place where people who can't necessarily buy the entire stock in large numbers can jump in and get a little piece of the action. I love that you say this. There's a quote recently from Pat Brown, Dr. Pat Brown, who is the founder of Impossible Foods. And many people don't know this. He's also a co-founder of Kite Hill uh, Yogurts. Um, So he says, leading up to his maybe IPO of Impossible Foods, he says, one of the reasons that, dri- that drives me, in addition to the excess capital that my company would have to continue to grow and um, do capital investments with our company so we'd get capital from the markets, in addition to the money, I want to see people able to invest in Impossible Foods. Right now, the door is closed to them, as we discussed, because you'd have to get in at 50, 100 to get into Impossible. You have to be looking at like $250,000 for you know one entrance into Impossible. So, mostly out of reach for the average individual, let's face it. And he wants to open the door to access. So I do think that our ETF is a home for these companies and it will encourage these companies, but it will greatly depend on each individual company, what kind of financial need they have. You know, in a way, if you are privately funded and you have no financial need, why do it? But for those who are mission-driven like Dr. Pat Brown or those companies that have big growth plans, very hard to grow without a lot of money. And at some point, it just makes more sense to go to the public markets for that capital. Let's talk a little bit about the plant-based space because you have such a great perch. China, obviously nothing can be fixed without addressing China and of course, India as well. What do you see there in terms of plant-based innovation? And also, unfortunately, I read recently to my horror, they were creating uh, office buildings uh, to put animals in because there was no space, uh, which I thought, what an Orwellian horrific nightmare that these poor animals are now stuck in these uh, high rises only to then be slaughtered as babies. It's just terrible. But what about China? Yeah, so much to unpack here. First of all, let's talk about this. Meat consumption is on the rise, and it's on the rise because of China and India. China and India are becoming wealthier, so big status for them to be able to eat meat, perhaps if their generations prior weren't able to, and it's what they associate wealth and status with. It's also what they associate nutrition with, which is unfortunate because that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Meat being high in cholesterol and being a leading factor for colorectal cancer and heart disease and diabetes, et cetera. But um, historically, it has been seen as status. And so as these companies become wealthier, they are driving up meat consumption globally. Uh, That said, let's be frank, whoever controls the food controls the world and wars are gonna be fought over food and water. 
Nobody knows that better than China. That's why you're seeing China invest in cultivated meat and plant-based innovation. Now, they're also investing in meat. They're also doing, as you talk about these high-rises with pigs, and I've read about it as well. I, I couldn't be more, um, more putrid of an idea. It's so vile, not even sure where to start there. They're also investing in more chicken farms, et cetera. I mean, they have 1.4 billion people. And very hard to feed 1.4 billion people. But, you know, you think about this. Right now, China imports the majority of its food. It, it, it can only make about 7% of its own food. It has to get food from other countries. Very impossible to take a strong, very difficult to take a strong stance in trade talks when the person opposite you that you're negotiating with controls all your food. Now, what if China could control their own food? What if they could create food in innovation labs? So they didn't need more arable land. They could do it just through cultivated meat in, in you know, I, I hate to say labs because people think it's like funky Frankenstein stuff. It's not. It's, it's much more clean. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, so I think China, for political reasons, for geopolitical reasons, if they can nail the innovation behind cultivated meat and control their own food supply when they never have been able to do that before, you're going to see a political force that you've never seen, which is why I'm always so surprised. I know we're not supposed to talk politics on this show, so you just cut me off if I'm going off the rails. I'm always, surprised. Politics. Okay. I'm always surprised that the U.S. doesn't get in bigger for political reasons, for geopolitical reasons. So recently, the um, United States put in $147 billion of an ag tech fund from Congress. Only $10 million of that, I apologize, $147 million, and only $10 million of that went to the nation's first cultivated meat innovation center in conjunction with Tufts University. You might already know about this. James. So um, we do have one now, a cultivated meat innovation center. 10 million is going towards that with Tufts. It's a drop in the bucket. 10 million is nothing. 10 million is nothing. So now you think about what America does great. I really have gone off on, on the politics. So again, you just stop me. But what do we do great? We do innovation. That's where we shine. I don't want America to be the back of the bus here. We should be out in front in food innovation. What are you talking about people? We should be with plant-based innovation should be something we, I just interviewed Ethan Brown and he said before he went to do Beyond Meat, he was working in the, the um, energy sector and they would invest billions in alternative energy. Why aren't we investing in alternative food? Not only does our health and the health of the planet, but our geopolitical health, it's all wrapped up in our food. I think we're being slow and cavalier. Well, uh, I think I can answer that question a little bit. It's because the meat, dairy, and pharmaceutical industry has co-opted government. The USDA is run by a dairy industry trade group leader. He was, that's what he was before he became USDA secretary. And uh, he served twice. He served in the Obama administration. Now he's serving again. Tom Vilsack, a guy yes. who's the head of the dairy industry, is not going to be pushing dairy alternatives or cell-based meat. They have infiltrated the government. Mm -hmm. And of course, we know that uh, President Biden has, is now saying he wants to give and will give a billion dollars to create more slaughterhouses when he's simultaneously saying he wants to solve the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely it. It's, it's, yeah. it's okay. self-destructive. So, um that is really the problem is the information's out there. It's not that complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, 8 billion humans, which is approximately what we have on the planet now, killing 80 
billion animals every year in a time of diminished resources is not sustainable. You don't have to know higher math to do that equation. And as you mentioned, the meat companies themselves have done the equation. And of course, they hedge their bets. They're still in the meat industry. But for example, JBS has an entire vegan line of food. I've tasted it. And it's delicious. They actually have vegan ground beef. It's vegan certified. So if the meat companies can figure this out, it's outrageous that the U.S. government isn't figuring it out. The Farm Bill comes up for renewal in uh, 2023, and there is an organization called the Agriculture Fairness Alliance that has a lobbyist uh, going into Congress trying to educate the staffers who often make the decisions about why it's so crucial that we stop subsidizing the commodity crops that go into farmed animals that keep the price of, let's say, your average hamburger so low. But yet, the New York Times just did something that tried to discuss inflation on the basis of the price of burgers. And you have the Biden administration pushing slaughterhouses. It seems that the powers that be, the best and the brightest, which was a sarcastic title, the best and the brightest brought us the Vietnam War. It seems that these folks have their blinders on. They've been co-opted. They have such an interconnected relationship with meat, dairy, and pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals having the most lobbyists, I believe, of any industry on Capitol Hill, because the pharmaceutical industry might as well be the meat industry. We wouldn't need a good percentage of the pills that they're making billions off of if people went plant-based and got healthy. The cholesterol-lowering drugs, the erectile dysfunction drugs, all these other drugs that they make so much money on, if people went plant-based, they would need them to yeah. a large extent. So this is the problem. The government is actually creating the climate crisis by subsidizing uh, meat and dairy, and yet they say they want to solve the climate crisis and the clock is ticking. That's why what you're doing is so important. I am personally of the belief that it's going to be the free market that pushes this more than government. Government is the problem in this particular case. Your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh, so much to unpack here and I couldn't agree more. If you are, if you are thinking governments are gonna do change, you're gonna be waiting a long time. Governments are the last to get on board. They always are. They're, they're weighing, is it Democrat, is it Republican? Or no, no, the planet, we share it all. All of us, we're all interested in living a longer life. This is not a political issue, but they always make it one. They're the last to change. And if you're waiting on government for real change, you're gonna be waiting a long time. So it is the capital markets. It is, um, again, we talked about it early on, even the small person, when you invest your dollars to align with your values, up to you to think about your values and the theme that you want to invest in. But when you put your dollars to companies that you don't mind being associated with who aren't causing problems on the planet, you actually will see change. That almighty dollar when attached to your values can be extremely powerful. So change is going to come because of business. That I know for sure. Um, you said a couple of other really interesting things that I think as well about the pharmaceutical industry. So if you look about fermented proteins, here we're talking about plant-based, uh, you know, food made from plants and beans and grains, et cetera. But of course, you also have other technologies, cultivated meat. We've talked about fermented proteins. So this is the fermenting. You've seen that with beer, you've seen that with bread, yeast, you've seen that with um, kimchi. So that technology is nothing new. 
If you look at the pharmaceutical industry, we used to take factory farmed pigs and use their insulin for diabetics coming from, I believe it's a lining of their liver, but I'm not sure. it might not be the liver. It's a lining of something else, but um, we no longer do that. And the reason we don't do that is because it's not a clean source because factory farms, you always have feces. It's impossible to not have it. So they couldn't get clean enough um, extractions, if you will. So they started through the process of fermented protein. So what that is, is you take genes or cells, and for lack of a better expression, it, they come from the animal or they come from a scientific database. You don't even have to get them from the animal in a non-harmful way. But then you, for lack of a better expression, you map those genes onto a microbe that can read the cliff notes. Again, this is oversimplification. Once that microbe reads the cliff notes of what was going on in that gene, it says, oh, I get it. I know what to do now. And I'll start making that product for you. So we make um, insulin from a lab. So pharmaceuticals know, this is what I'm trying to say, pharmaceuticals know better than anyone that we do not need to go through factory farming. But of course, who supplies all of the hormones and antibiotics to factory farmed animals, which you have to do because they're living in these cramped, disgusting conditions on top of each other. We just went through a pandemic where we were told no social distance, we must social distance. And then we put 90% of the living creatures on the planet. So we have 8 billion people on the planet 80 billion animals a year we slaughter. So 90% of the living, breathing animals on the planet are not social distancing. In fact, we've made them live on top of each other, but to snout. So obviously you're going to need lots of antibiotics for that situation. Well, who's providing those antibiotics? But the pharmaceutical industry, what I'm trying to say is, well, they're in cahoots. They get it more than anyone because they're already doing alternative proteins for some things like insulin. People are unaware that the vast majority of antibiotics produced are going into farmed animals uh, to prevent them from dying because they're kept in such horrific conditions. I read this whole article about how humans are developing antibiotic resistance, and that's because doctors are over-prescribing antibiotics. No, this was a long article in a prestigious magazine, never mentioning the fact that 80% approximately of antibiotics are fed to farmed animals. This is the information that the mainstream media does not report. And just I want to make that, that connection for people. So these antibiotics go to farmed animals and then you eat them. So ultimately these antibiotics go to you. That's why many people have antibiotic resistance. They've had too many antibiotics through their food. And then when they get sick, the antibiotics that they take don't work. They are resistant to the antibiotics. So when we, Jane's making a point for animal welfare, this conditions, but also she's making a point for you because when you consume these things, you are ingesting too much antibiotics. Absolutely. You're getting your excess of antibiotics if you're eating animal products because the vast majority of antibiotics are fed to animals because they're kept in horrible conditions. Otherwise, they'd all die. Um, uh, mostly. All right, we got another caller. Renee, your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano. Well, hello, Jane and Elizabeth. Hi, this is Renee. And uh, Elizabeth, congratulations. I'm calling to highlight how rich and easy to read your website is. Uh, I was curious, when you were talking about educating yourself, I jumped on your website and I uh, posted it in the link for people to see, eatv.vegtechinvest.com. 
being newer to a fund, uh, what apart from your website, what would you suggest? Uh, what else would you suggest to a newer investor who's really diving into the companies, uh, just uh, as a, a strategy, how to think about investing in the website? I mean, in the fund would be my first question. Yes. Thank you for that question. Thank you for going to the website. Super appreciate that. So I'm not here to tell anybody to invest at all, but I am here to educate folks. And so if you do want more information, like Renee was saying, eatv.vegtechinvest.com, there you'll see graphs and you'll get the, the understanding of the philosophy, but you'll also, there's a link there that says top 10 holdings. And then it says, click here to see the other holdings. So just spend all the time you need folks. That's where you get to do your research. No rush, nobody doing anything. You know, please everyone educate yourselves, get your hands on that prospectus. If you see on the left side of the screen, all the companies on the right, there'll be a link to the prospectus. Just click on that prospectus so you can read. I want you to read, folks. That's what I want you to do. So um, there's the fun graphs and stuff that you immediately see on the website, but spend some time and do that deeper dive and do a couple clicks. Really take your time, read and research. You know, if you invest, great, that's up to you. If not, no problem. At least you're reading about this subject and how you can, you know, align your values and your dollars if you'd like. Did you have another question? All right, we'll continue on. Uh, how many new companies, thank you for calling, Renee. How many new companies do you expect to ingest and include in this vegan ETF? You know, that really depends on the market. That really depends, and this is why the market's so fun and we all love them. It's this living, breathing entity. Um, that, that really depends. If we have lots more IPOs, you know, if Impossible Foods does IPO this year and then there's been talk about not co-IPOing and there's talk about Meatless Farm potentially IPOing, talk about Califia Farms potentially, you know, who knows if these will all come to pass. But so those would be natural um, additions. And then, you know, it's not just are they plant-based, right? They have to be a plant-based innovation company that's healthy, that's financially, you know, that's business savvy, healthy. That's where all the analysis comes in with Dr. Sasha Goodman. So it's really hard to say that that kind of specific thing. It depends on how the market and the companies do. That's why, again, it's a living, breathing entity. We're constantly researching, constantly going to earnings calls and looking at the numbers and making projections and reading into the capital investments of these companies, how they're investing for the future, how they're in intending to grow and, you know, their value proposition or growth proposition. So. Oh, I've lost your audio. I can't hear you. Oh, apologies. Oh, there you I are. often thought that there are companies that are accidentally vegan. Uh, I don't want to mention them, but let's say a company that makes, uh, oh, nuts. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sometimes they put like a glaze that might have a dairy product, but are there companies that are not I'm vegan, but they just happen to be um, for whatever circumstances. Uh, they make something that is not, um, doesn't contain any animal products, meat or dairy, not even whey. And it just, just so happens that they are that company. Um, can you invest in them? And then also, what about companies that are not involved in food, but maybe fashion or hemp? Um, how, how broad are you? 
So I think this is a fascinating question because, again, people always think plant-based innovation, so we're talking about food. Plant-based materials, I anticipate that's where you're going to see a lot of growth. It might come to the public markets. It might still just be growth and venture in the private area, but I think you're going to see a lot of vegan fashion. You're going to see um, plant-based materials in general. Right now, we have several plant-based materials companies in the fund, but you're going to see a lot more of that. Um, I also think there are these accidentally vegan companies, if you will. So I think of um, Limonera is a company, obviously, all they make is lemons, Limonera. So that's, I mean, I don't know if they set out to be a vegan company. They probably didn't. They're, they make lemons. That's what they, you know, they grow lemons. That's what they do. So um, I, I think there's those products as well that sort of, again, these to me are sort of um, ingredient companies, if you will, because lemon used like an avocado company as well. An avocado company can be a wonderful replacement for fats. We all know this in our smoothies and in our salad dressings, rather than having mayonnaise or egg products to make it very rich. I always use avocados and that's how I make my salad dressings with avocados and then whatever sort of spices I want. And I blend it up and add a little bit of um, garbanzo fava juice. It's uh, that's, um, uh there's a word for that, you know, the, the liquid that comes with garbanzo beans. And I've got this great salad dressing. So these to me almost end up in the supply chain. We talked about how it's the consumer good products at the end, but it's also that long supply chain of ingredients and technology and material companies and other things. So yes, there's the whole wide spectrum because ultimately, Jane, you don't have change if you just have impossible foods and beyond meat. You only get real change in the food supply system when you have change the whole way through from the start to the finish. And for those who maybe aren't mission aligned, but just are in it for the money, it's a huge secular trend. What we're talking about here today is a global shift of the food supply system because it has to be, no matter what you believe in, animals, your health, whatever, it has to be. We don't have the resources. Other people, other institutions get that and the change is already underway. So you're talking about a lot of businesses shifting. So there's a lot of you know financial growth there. I would say, that's what I would say. And we all have had that experience who are plant-based where we pick up uh, something and we think, oh, it's vegan. And then you see one tiny ingredient like whey. Um, is there a move in business to eliminate that so that more pe- more companies can use that V brand? I know personally when I shop, I, I want to see V first, then I'd like to see organic. And if it's involved with something like a coffee or whatever, fair trade, um, there's things that we look for. The V brand is now something that I see on a lot of shampoos that you wouldn't think are. They, they, it's a good branding. So are we seeing companies eliminate those those things that keep them from being vegan? Yes, that's what I'm seeing. And I'll tell you, this is so beautiful. We haven't talked about it yet, but it's really being driven by millennials because millennials want to see that branding. They are making the connection between our food supply system and the environment as well as animal welfare and their health, but they're really making that connection between the environment. And so they really wanna also pick up something and just see the V. Who's got time to keep flipping over to the back and reading all the ingredients? I mean, come on folks, gotta get through the grocery store and move on. So they wanna see that V and pick it up and go. So companies are in tune to that and making their changes. I wanna thank you so much, Elizabeth Alfano. You are amazing, a dynamo, the veg, tech invest CEO who manages along with your amazing team, this eat V eat V exchange traded fund on the New York stock exchange. Uh, Well done. 
Wow. When you said you were involved in a project and we're very busy, I had no idea. This is truly an extraordinary accomplishment. And I applaud you. And I know your mission is to save animals, help people get healthy and keep the planet from suffering the worst effects of climate change. Thank you so much, Elizabeth Alfano, for all you do. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.